0: Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast. We're here launching our discussions in the throes of a global pandemic. Many of us find ourselves in uncharted waters of restlessness, fear, agitation, and even grief. My name is Ron Powell McLean, and I'm here with my co-host and friend, Danny Hobart. Together, we're here to talk about and seek ways to find peace and calm in the midst of chaos through the exploration of ancient Buddhist ideas, applied in practical ways in our everyday lives. Welcome, Dan, and welcome our listeners. I'm happy that you're all here.
1: Thank you, Pawo. How are things?
0: Things are good. We're, you know, in, in our self-quarantine uh, and, you know, finding, finding challenges in the, in the everyday uh, workings of that just to uh, find our new normal.
1: Not much better time to launch a podcast than right now, I'd say. I think we couldn't find a better time. I think all
0: of us are feeling really ungrounded and restless and a lot of fear. So,
1: you know, this is as important for me as it would be for anybody that listens, really. I value the time we get to talk any time and the chance that I get to learn uh, more about peace and calmness and Buddhism. But obviously this is an important time to focus on those things. So what have you been feeling
0: from all of this kind of craziness?
1: You know, I tend to err on the side of, A lack of fear, so to speak. It almost turns into sort of naivety from time to time in my regular life. So I haven't been as sort of anxiety ridden about being sick. I have quarantined, I have minimal contact, I do take COVID 19 seriously the the bigger issue for me has been the anxiety uh, and anxiety for me of being cooped up the disruption in daily life. Definitely. Well, and I, know you, I know you have family
0: nearby and, you know, that's as, as I do as well. I um, have avoided seeing them and I've been really quarantined and um, quite uh, diligent in you know trying to keep myself uh, away from from everything crazy because I had a, a bout of uh, pneumonia last summer and I'm worried that I'm susceptible but I have you know parents that are in their 70s and I worry about them and my mom's diabetic and my dad has a uh, has leukemia and I worry about them and they're a little stubborn <laughs> in, in taking direction from their second son that uh, it's not a good idea to, you know, to go to the grocery store.
1: That's a, that's a perfect point to make. Uh, parents, especially in that age range, age range, which I have to are, can be a bit stuck in their ways and, for other reasons um, that we certainly don't need to get into. The last few years have been an interesting time from that perspective. Uh, So, again, uh, patience, uh, calmness, peacefulness, all good uh, tools to use in uh, sort of interacting with those folks. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: Patience can – can be a little, um, a little bit of a challenge in in trying to um, guide through, you know the the fear. You know, I that's my fear is that they are going to get sick and um, end up in the hospital, and we won't be there to support them because you just can't be, and that's that's frightening to me. So I'm, I think I'm most worried about them. I think you know we're we're fine here at home. And I think I've been on enough, (laughs) on enough Buddhist retreats and silent retreats that I'm kind of used to being quiet and alone. And it's kind of my jam. So I can, I can do pretty well with that. My, my other half, my husband is not as responsive to, uh, all that quiet so he's a little restless i think he mows the the grass at least twice a week so (laughs) and started mowing the neighbor's yard as well
1: (laughs) so uh, there's the question then is that what buddhism is in this time is it uh quiet and peace and just being alone or how does that how does that sort of fit for you right now well i think for me you know we're we're really
0: looking for solutions we're looking for ways to act skillfully with what is real so we know that as we look into ourselves and look at the condition of what's happening that we're experiencing Fear we just talked about that we're we're all experiencing some level of fear, whether it's personal fear or fear for others or fear that um, the decisions that are being made for us are not the right ones. So we're all a little um, you know we're just working with a lot of fear so if we can take the step back and that's the that's really the Buddhist practice here is taking the step back and seeing into the, the condition, the illusion of the condition. So when I can see that I am reacting and others are reacting from fear, then we're shining a spotlight of awareness on that condition. So then we're, we're seeing fear as fear. Anger as anger, agitation, restlessness as its actual condition. So when we can step away from it and see that we are reacting in that way, then we can then act more skillfully. It's it's not until that point. It's not until that point that we see the condition that we can react skillfully. So we're always dealing with sort of some... Um, some habitual reactions is really what I want to say is that we're, that we're dealing in, you know, a space where we react without consciousness and then act in ways that, that are fearful, that are unskillful because we're not seeing them for what they are. So the really the Buddhist perspective is to see see the condition for what it is, and then try to act skillfully from there. So we can start with compassion. We can start with patience for ourselves and others, because we can see that both of us, us and others, are all reacting from these emotional outbursts, these emotional
1: reactions. So let me let me follow it up then with... Because there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. So we can't see, you know, the COVID. It's, we can see the effects if somebody gets sick. We can see people walking around in masks. But we can't actually see the thing. Now, on top of that, it's everywhere. We have to assume in order to be safe, we need to assume that every surface has it, that every person has it, and we have to, you know, treat everything as if it's sick. So how do you step back from a thing you can't see but yet surround you? Well, I
0: think it's the, – the interesting part is, you know, I feel like this – Pandemic has allowed us to really see what what was already there, what was already in our in our daily experience, but in a magnified way. So I think there's always been that unseen threat, and we feel that. I mean, think about the movies that we watch. Um, you know, the Blair Witch Project, which you never really see the you know the the evil that is that is you know seeking to to harm us but you feel all that anxiety from watching that you know we we know it's a fake flick now but and sorry if that's a spoiler for anybody but you know um really seeing it for what it is Is helping us to, you know, to really see that in our daily lives. So, you know, one of the things that I read the other day was that no one really remembers what it was like on September tenth, two thousand one. Yeah, right. Didn't picture it, but everything changed on September eleventh and we then found a new normal we found you know we found areas that we could find peace and calm and we will find that in this as well but it's a you know it's a different exposure and I often say that our our awareness our consciousness you know continues to grow throughout our experience throughout the lifetime of our experience and we we start to really understand what we're looking at, and not just from our very narrow perspective, but when we start to see the perspectives of others, and you know, we can use the you know, the example of those who we find to be reacting unskillfully. I mean, you can you know, go turn on you know, one of the news channels right now and you can get agitated um, and get worked up and get fearful and get angry because you see unskillful reactions to all of this so our endeavor is to understand that to understand what the you know the cause and effect
1: is so in the scheme of buddhist in a Buddhist perspective regarding this fear and anxiety. So that's suffering, right? We talk a lot about suffering all the time, right? There's a big suffering and there's a little suffering, right? How does the fear and anxiety fit into that?
0: Well, I think those are, you know, those are levels of suffering as well. So, you know, if we look at, you know, the, the, you know the suffering of anxiety. You know when we—I've heard uh, psychologists talk about that when we are thinking about the past. That, in thinking too much about the past, we can find ourselves depressed, and if we think too much about the future, we find ourselves anxious. So I call that time traveling. So that, that sort of need to an unconscious habitual reaction to start thinking about the past or thinking about the future in an effort to stabilize ourselves is actually causing part of that suffering. So you often hear in Buddhism and, and specifically with, you know, meditation, we're training ourselves to become present, to become present in this moment. And that's a bit of a departure because we're, we're usually thinking about past or future. So we're, we're, we're thinking about something that maybe once was, and we want that back again. We think about our childhood, and maybe that was a good memory. And so we long for that, which then, because we don't have it and we don't have access to that again, and recreating that memory, we've now created a condition of suffering because we're disappointed that we don't have access to that. And the same with future. We think about what, what it will be five years from now, and we've, we're visioning and trying to create a, a world where everything's better for us, that we have more money, we have more time, we have better relationships, we're thinner, we're healthier, we're cuter, we're funnier, we're whatever. And none, neither of those perspectives are realistic. Only the present moment and and. I often say it's not really just the, you know, it's not just the, this, that second, that quick second. It's the wide, vast moment that is your living experience right now. So if you think about just place yourself right in the middle of this moment and think about all the things that are right here, you can smell and taste and touch and hear And you have thoughts that are arising, you have emotions that are arising. They're all in this moment. When we think about the past, we're thinking about memories of those things. And it's a narrow memory, it's not the entirety of what actually happened. And when we think about the future, we're just projecting what we think we want or what we, you know, trying to avoid what we don't want. And that inherently brings us to a state of suffering.
1: Yeah. So I'm completely enthralled with the idea of time traveling Mm -hmm. and the description of it, because, you know, we're raised, I was raised anyway, I guess I shouldn't say we, but I was raised a pretty, pretty normal little kid and, you know, pretty, let me back up. I shouldn't say normal there. I don't know that there's a normal. I had a pretty uh, standard growing up uh, in a little suburban town and you know, it's always been a thing. I have a history degree. It's always been a thing. Don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And, and the other part you learn is to plan for the future. Right. Uh, If you're starting a business, what's your plan? If you're not starting a business, well, what's your five year plan? Uh, You know, these things are are baked into our daily existence, at least, you know, in America. Uh, To some degree, everybody's experience is different, but to some degree, that's all there. So how in the world am I supposed to not rely on my knowledge or memories or understanding of the things that have happened? And how am I not supposed to look forward constantly, even two weeks from now? uh, I have to do, you know, I have to take this trip or I've got this big project due or I'm in trouble at work or, you know, those types of things. Right.
0: So my answer to that is through presence, through present, the present moment and being actively aware that you are having some, you know, if we're talking about work, we could be having some anxiety. We could be having some, some craving or longing for the next position or to be respected more or to make more money that the awareness through this moment, we can touch each of those things. And when we're aware, I'm having some fear around my, my thought of my job in the future, or if even if, you know in this, the middle of this um, pandemic, even if you have a job in the future. So you're, when we can touch into that, I'm, I'm reacting from a fearful place, or I'm reacting from a craving place, then we can be skillful in our actions from that vantage point instead of having a habitual reaction that we're just responding and, and thinking about where we want it to be, but then we don't have positive action that's in this moment that will get us there. Then we've missed the mark. So that idea of success or that idea of wanting doesn't really get put into action That's in a skillful way.
1: Okay. And there's another word that you've used a number of times and you use it constantly. I don't know if I've ever heard you define it. What do you mean? What is skillful? What is skillful in terms of, you know, managing this behavior and our habits and our reactions? What does that mean? To me, it means compassion, compassion,
0: compassionate action so when i can specifically understand my reaction and even interpret through you know through the understanding of my reaction then i can understand that other people may be having some turmoil as well in their present moment so if i have someone around me that isn't really having the best response they're angry they're depressed they're you know just downright pissed off and I can see that for what it is it allows me to have compassionate action moving forward so you know for instance I'll say you know my husband gets a little wound up with watching CNN and he will get very angry in the moment and instead of me feeding into that i can then act skillfully and and maybe even in a calm way present something that he is not seeing that will then allow him to understand oh that's someone that's acting in a fearful and unconscious way
1: so let's okay so let's walk through that example uh if you if you don't mind sure. let's say let's say uh i'm your husband and i we're sitting watching t v in the living room and there's a news story that comes on that says you know uh these six warehouse workers got sick with covid nineteen and it's upsetting because they're you know i'm i'm really upset about this because they're helping us and they're they're you know they have this job that that is essential and it's low paying and it's hard work and they don't have any safety precautions in place and they don't have enough equipment PPE and you know uh, and, and of course I watch those things and they do upset me so we're in the room together uh I'm really ticked off about this I'm very upset there's nothing I can do and it's really frustrating and so what do you do what do I do what do you do Well,
0: sometimes we just have to see the adjutant for what it is. So we're placing ourselves in, you know, in a place of watching and continually watching and remembering, you know, if we take that step back, we see that the news channel's job is to have news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we understand that there's probably some perpetuating of more story, more story, more story, just to really fill the, fill the air. So understanding that that's happening and the longer I watch it, the more I get agitated, that we can maybe take in the understanding of what's going on, take in the news part of it, and then step away. Step away to something else consciously because we understand that standing in, you know, in the rays of that sun
1: are hot. I'm going to push you a little bit on this. Okay. Because, and here's why, isn't feeling upset, isn't that being present? If you understand
0: that you're feeling upset in this moment, rather than just having that habitual response that is unconscious. Because what, you know, what happens
1: from agitation Oh well, uh, anxiety, and you know, sometimes you could anger. get physical. Anger. You
0: get, you get anger, and where does yep. anger lead to? Anger leads well, to rage. Where does rage lead to? Violence. Violence.
1: Yeah, yeah. suffering.
0: So all all so that goes to a, suffering. There's a snowball effect of the unconscious behavior. So when we catch that, when we catch that moment that we're that we're responding in. And I'll say unskillful way because it's because it's an unconscious response, rather than being a conscious and compassionate
1: response. Well, that's incredibly hard to do. Absolutely. And.
0: But not impossible. Not impossible, and I think that's you know that's the thing that we're doing in a daily meditation practice. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of some sort of daily practice where we're slowing down. We're taking our foot off the gas, our hands off the wheel and the keys out of the ignition and just sitting, just not doing and watching our own responses. So we're going to, you know, when we take away the distractions of, Doing and trying to, you know, fix things and fabricate things and manipulate and control things. When we take that away and just sit back.
1: Okay. So I'd like to circle back around to the time travel idea and specifically about the past because I experience a lot of emotion related to my past. I have nightmares all the time that are related to any number of things in my past. It it is it really that's my struggle with this type of thing, this type of idea, this suffering for me. I always look to my past to explain why I'm doing a thing and where I learned to do the thing and why that's a thing because it happened before. What 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 can I do to sort of break that better, easier, more efficiently, whatever?
0: My advice, and remember that I'm not a therapist, you know, I'm a you know a spiritual friend, a Kalyana Mitra, if you will. So, you know, I think what I would suggest and what I would personally do is is cultivate those memories that you are using as guideposts. So, you know, if you want to think about a, you know, and you know, a time that wasn't so great and understand that you are making decisions in this moment based on your recollection of those experiences. And I say recollection because remember, if we're th- you know if we if we're thinking about the past, it's really a narrow view of the reality of that past moment. So, if you can cultivate it and pull it apart with your with your new sense of awareness and your your new knowledge, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, as we always say that maybe turn it upon itself and study that, that experience in a different way from your adult self and not the, the self that reacted and had the probably bad experience of your youth. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, so when I'm meditating, which I do regularly and daily – it's okay, I'll just when one of these thoughts passes by or comes into my head or the old feeling. By cultivating you mean think of it, acknowledge it, remember it. Right. And that's cultivating. And Let it go.
0: And start understanding what was driving it. You know, what's the you know, if the experience was maybe fearful. Yep then sure. you can, then you can understand that in your experience in that moment that you were completely reacting on youthful fear right and not that something bad didn't happen that in that in that moment in that period of time but also maybe try to understand compassionately what the other players were experiencing as well you know if there was you know someone who was that sort of perpetuated the the experience to be negative maybe understand from their perspective or try to understand from their perspective what they were doing because none of us really get up in the morning and think i'm going to be a shit today I don't want, you know, I don't want anybody to have a great day, so I'm going to destroy all of the people around me. But then there are people who just do that because they're responding to something internally in their own experience. For me, you know, when I think about unskillful behavior of elders in my past, I try to understand who were they in that moment. Were they 25 or 26 years old and doing the best that they could because they didn't really have an arsenal of experience in which to react. So they were unskillful in that moment and not intentionally. So we can start to understand in a compassionate way that it wasn't that it may not have been. I shouldn't say it wasn't because there's, you know, we know there's all of those stages that we just discussed a minute ago that are anger and rage and violence that build and build and build on unconscious response.
1: That's a, that's a star Wars thing. I'm such a, from my back, you realize. <laughs> of course. Fear, fear yeah. leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah. Violence and suffering.
0: Like, it's really, really something to, to be conscious of. And knowing that other humans, and we do this through understanding ourselves. So if I can understand, if I can get in touch with myself, and my own responses in not a judgmental way or chiding myself for having a negative or, you know, unskillful thought, but instead seeing the thought for what it is and drilling in, why am I reacting that way? And for me, a lot of my response, a lot of my, my even unskillful response is based in fear. I have a bit of a controlling nature that I know that I'm a little bit of a control freak. You know that about me. I'm a little bit of a control freak because I'm afraid that something's going to fail or I'm not going to be as, as impactful as I need
1: to be. That's yeah. I throughout my life and to this day, I still don't do things because I'm scared of them. I, I tell myself different stories, obviously. Uh, I want to start a podcast. I I bought the microphone and some of the equipment I'm using. Two years ago, I had to look it up on Amazon to see what model I had, you know, to get the software and all that. And literally, two years ago in January, and it's all literally based on how am I going to sound? How am I going to do it? How do I plug it in? The, from from complicated to the most basic fear fear is the great inhibitor right. for me
0: and our reactor like that's you know the you know the the nucleus of my reactor is fear yeah like, most often
1: well yeah. isn't that sort of built in though it like is we're supposed to like our bodies, our brains, our whole physiology is designed to make more humans, perpetuate the species and also to live.
0: Yeah. Protect the living being. Yeah. Right. So our ego and all of those, all of those things are not to be rejected. Like I remember years ago, I read. I can't even remember what book I used to read every self. I used to read the first half of every self-help book that showed up, <laughs> and I'd usually that. <laughs> I usually lose. I usually lose it after um, after reading the solution of uh, what I'm supposed to be doing. But I I remember that there was a a bit of me that was that I was trying to get rid of my ego and. Whatever this, whatever this book, and I'll have to to concentrate and remember what book it was. But it it told me to name my ego, so I named my ego Phil, and Phil was you know. <laughs> okay, just, just yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was because he need you know his <laughs> his full name was Phil Meup.
1: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> so fit. That's fantastic oh and, and insane all at the same time. <laughs> oh,
0: I claim nothing but fantastic and insanity. <laughs> so, so I named Phil. And by naming Phil, I was trying to identify Phil as my ego. And by identifying him, I was trying to get him to leave. So... You know, now what I can see as different facets of my personality, which are all there. We don't lose or gain parts of our personality and parts of our reaction. We just can see them more skillfully, see them for what they are. Um, So I was on this quest for Phil to leave, and I would ask (laughs) Phil to just go. And then later, years later, when I was reading Buddhist texts and there was this idea of the tiger jumping out of the forest to kill us, running at us, growling at us, that we need the ego to identify the danger. Now. So there's a useful there's a, a, a use and usefulness of each of those facets. We just don't want to rule everything through that facet. We don't want to rule all of our our insecurity through fear. But instead if it... we can see it for fear, then we can react in a skillful way.
1: I always think when i when I'm in that, you know, in the fear or in, in the day that for whatever reason, I'm, you know, that shit that shouldn't be running into people. Right. Like, I'm a, like, I'm a, like I'm a bumper car and I'm just like roaming around the world, smashing into things and, you know, no idea what direction I'm heading after the, each little collision.
0: Out of control. Driving, you know?
1: That's yeah. That's one way of
0: driving. Not the most skillful way, but it's one way of of understanding when we need to turn. So does that make sense? Does that make sense how to you know, do you feel like you have a, a sense of how to act skillfully when you can see your own reactions?
1: I do. I really do. And of course you know me well enough as you've been my teacher and we've also practiced together. Uh, for several years now that I I definitely have a sense of that. I can tell you the hardest part for me is catching myself in the moment. Uh, You know, I tell people the story all the time uh, of my early days as a public defender, sort of in a rural area, and how excitable I used to get how angry upset you know I I had the whole righteous indignation persona and that has real value that sort of fiery spirit and big personality has a real place in a courtroom from not always and not to an extreme amount but it really does and you know I nurtured that thing like a like a plant and fed it and trimmed it and watered it the whole time. Uh, but it got so habitual to just run on emotion, run on ego, run on habit. Uh, I, uh, you know, that I ran myself into depression and anxiety uh, in a, not a massive way, but certainly a legitimate way. And I really had to learn uh, the, the trick to, recognize the physical feelings that I have when I start to feel that way in order for me able to be able to recognize it in the moment. Uh, I would say it's probably different in some respects for everybody. Uh, You know, how you maintain this sort of present. How do you do it? How do you, how do you, uh, somebody, you, you, you hate, road rage, like you're a road rage guy. Right. At, because
0: I at, have road rage.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. As my neighbor would say, you have the road rage. Right. Uh, so, I mean, so somebody cuts you off. You feel like you're going to die. You just about wrecked, pushed off the road, whatever. So so how do you stay in the moment?
0: So what I've learned, and this is through through practice and through, you know, really taking the, the path of insight to try to figure out why I was reacting in, in those unskillful ways when I was, you know, in a traffic situation and I would get cut off and immediately my temper would flare and I'm hanging out the window and, you know, flashing the, you know, the one fingered peace sign and screaming and wanting to, follow that person into a parking lot so that I could get out and scream at them. I didn't want to physically hurt anybody because I just really don't like to physically hurt anybody, but I wanted to yell at someone so that they could understand that they were wrong, wrong, wrong and wrong. Yeah. So through that, that introspection, you know, I discovered that I have a lot of fear around driving itself. I remembered which I had completely blocked out. I had a terrible um, bus wreck. I was involved in a, a terrible bus wreck when I was in high school. And um, it was really quite traumatic for me. And I pushed that off to the point that I didn't remember it, but I know that I have been reacting from that experience. And my fear around not being able to control what's going on on the road. So when I react in that way now, when I see the reaction start to bubble up, I call it what it is. That's fear. As soon as I label it as fear, it allows me to react in a skillful way. And what I'm talking about in a skillful way is not reacting at all. And I can Are you, hold down from that and say, I'm, you know, don't, don't roll down the window. Don't scream. Take a breath. I'm going to take a skillful breath and just calm myself down because I know I'm reacting from fear.
1: So have all you done though, is just develop a new habit? Yes. It's, we're really
0: developing a new neuro pathway. So, Instead of reacting in an unconscious way, we're then building a new neural pathway to act in a conscious way. That's fascinating. And then it becomes, you know, then it sort of becomes the
1: unconscious pattern of consciousness. And that, and that's the that's the sweet spot, right? right. So, so, so there lies the enlightenment. Absolutely.
0: And and really the ultimate power of it. When you can learn to really just control your own responses, that's what we're talking about. So when we're in the, the throes of that chaos, whatever it may be, that we can then find our own selves and our own grounding and take that breath and know that, My body, my human body is trying to respond in a human way to
1: mitigate this discomfort. Okay. Got a chicken and the egg question then. Yes. Because you mentioned behavior now. So I'm not just dealing with my thoughts at this point. I'm dealing with how I act. So what comes first, controlling your behavior or controlling your thoughts? And, and do they build on each other? Or is it your thoughts are just the boss no matter what? Well, remember, you're not controlling your thoughts.
0: We're actually taking the, the step back and seeing the thoughts, seeing the emotional ah. reactions. So we're not trying to control them. It's, it's kind of like watching, you know, watching a river or a stream roll by. If I said go and stop the water, it takes a lot of effort to be able to try to stop that water. And it's the same with thoughts. Our our minds are meant to think. Our ego is meant to protect. So it's constantly flashing up to see was that sound a dangerous sound and do I need to react in a way
1: that will keep me safe, right? I really like. I'm picturing that in my mind. Walking out in a lovely field or stream or going hiking, and you, you come across a creek or tiny river or whatever. You walk at it in the middle and literally trying to stop it, but no matter whether you lay down or put your arms down or try to scoop scoop the water, like you're not going to stop it. It just keeps flowing through your fingers, around your hand, around your legs. Right. That's what you're talking about.
0: And that's, you know, it's the essence of calm abiding. When we can see that the river's job is to move. The water's job is to do what water does. The job of a thought is to arise. Mind like water. Mind like water. When we hmm. see that and, and find the calm abiding in just that's, that's what it's supposed to do. And me trying to control it is never going to work. We might be able to you know, change it in some way, but it's never going to stop the water. We're never going to stop the thoughts. And we shouldn't try. That in itself is insanity.
1: See you, Phil. See you, Phil. <laughs> Take a break. Uh,
0: Phil's still there. He's protecting us. <laughs> He's our
1: ultimate yeah. protector. Yeah, just not running the show because
0: we're not trying to be doormats. We're not trying to sit, you know, like the, you know, the image of a Buddha sitting under the tree with the eyes closed and some mudra in the hands and being eaten by a tiger. We respond when we need to respond, we, and we, run, we run.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a not a full response. <laughs> Compassion for self. Get out. Right. Run when <laughs> you need to run. Uh, I'm a big fan of horror films. It's kind of what this sounds like.
0: <laughs>
1: right. Right. Name, name, Name the monster. There's always a thing in horror films that when you finally see the bad guy, because a lot of them start out like that. Like, you never see the bad guy. Right. And as soon as you do, though, it it loses so much of the effect. Right. Because you're like, yeah, I could see it. It's not, eh, it's not that scary, you know? Well, think about all those thrillers, you know, and I'm not a big fan
0: of thrillers or, you know, horror movies or anything like that. But when you can take the the step of understanding why that person is reacting so unskillfully, it takes a bit of the, the reaction out of it, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what I think. That's how I take what you've been talking about is that the, the fear becomes so much less powerful when you name it, when you see it, when you, understand it that that's when you can not be ruled by it right right big stuff buddha
0: so we're always looking for and i think the important part is to understand that we're looking for wisdom (laughs) practical wisdom on how to use all of these ideas on a daily basis. So I say, find your spotlight of awareness in your continued presence. Continue to focus your attention in this vast and deep and wide moment of this living experience. Notice when you find yourself focusing in the past or the future, label it and return your focus to the experience of living in this present moment. Remember to be patient with yourself. This is years of conditioning that we're undoing. It's not how many times that you find yourself distracted or lost in an emotional reaction that matters, but how many times that you return that counts. We're building new neural pathways in this practice by creating a new habit to be present rather than distracted and suffering
1: I'm all in I'm
0: all in too well thanks to our listeners for tuning in for our very first podcast and look for more we're really just showing up for you who show up with us so we'll see you next time bye bye now